0: So we're so glad that you're here this morning. Again, for those of you who don't know, my name is Matthew Jonathan Jansen. I am 6'5. I have three wonderful children uh, who are 14, 12, and 9. And believe it or not, this beautiful woman standing beside me is actually my wife. Introduce yourself, babe.
1: <laughs> and I am not 6'5, as you see. And my
0: name is Tanya, and yes, we have the great honor of Catherine. Here. Yeah. Tanya Cherie Jansen, just for anybody who's wondering, okay? And yes, she's as amazing as she looks, it's true. I can't wait for you to get to know her if you don't already. Um, we're so grateful, again, to be one year into this, serving you as your pastors. We're excited about what God's about to do, and what we felt for this season in particular is that God is calling us back to our first love. And for those of you who haven't been with us, we've been reading a passage most Sundays from the book of Revelation. It's kind of a springboard into our sermon series. Um, I'm going to read it to you again this morning, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so we're going to read it to you once again, and I'm going to kind of unpack a few thoughts out of that that we've been springboarding off of, and then we're going to dive into our message today. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yes, my wife is standing here for a reason, because today we are going to tag team this message, all right. so this is going to be a lot of fun, I hope you guys can hang with us this morning, Um, but let's move, if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelations chapter 2 verses 2 through 5, Revelations 2 verses 2 through 5, and I'm going to be reading this morning, last week I read from the New Living Translation, this morning I'm just going to read from the New King James Version, okay, typically that's how we roll here with with some New King James, Uh, so I've got my New King James Bible opened up, and I'm going to go ahead and read this. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Okay, so what's going on here? Again, this is a letter that Jesus is writing to the church at Ephesus, and this is his, one of his first letters. We're going to be doing a series in a few weeks here on the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. This is the first letter in the series, and it's a letter written to the, to the to the people of Ephesus. And so what you can see here is that God is highlighting a lot of things that these guys are doing extremely well. But then he points out one thing. He says, there's one thing I have against you, and that is this. You have left your first love. So therefore, repent and return to your the first things. Now here's what I want to point out about this as we springboard off into our message today is that God is always calling us back into right relationship with him. When you read this passage, I hope that you don't just simply see a strong word of judgment, okay? When God calls out to us and convicts us of sin and convicts us of things in our lives that we're not doing well, convicts us and makes us feel like, oh man, I'm just not quite measuring up. If you've ever felt that way that, you know, you're not hitting the mark all the time, It's not because he's trying to show you how low you are, but it's because he wants to call you up into right relationship with him. The glory of God, get this church again, is always revealed in restoration. So that's what God is doing here with this word. He's calling the Ephesians up. He's saying, listen, I want to tell you this. And what is it? That's the grace of God, because if he didn't tell them, they wouldn't know it. If he didn't tell them, hey, you're you're, you're drifting away from me, you've turned away from something that's really important here, then they wouldn't know it. And God is always calling us back into right relationship with him. He gives them the option. He gives them, he actually right there says, this is what you need to do. You're falling away. This is what you need to do. You need to repent. What is repent? It means to turn from and turn to. Turn from the way you're going and turn back to God. Turn from the way you're going and turn back to God. And church, I want to just tell you right now, This is life. This is constant. This is something that we always need to be reminded of. His goodness and His greatness. That we would turn from our ways back to His ways. Amen? That we would turn from our ways back to His ways. That's what God is doing. Now... What we've proposed to you this morning and what we've been proposing in this sermon series is that one of the greatest ways, one of the greatest tools that we have to, to, to turn from and turn to, to be reminded of God's goodness and his greatness, one of the greatest, greatest tools that we have is the tool of worship. We've defined worship as, by the way, at Life Church we value worship. We are a Holy Spirit-led church that lives to see God glorified in all things. It's one of our values. And... Worship, what is it? It is the—is it a song? Is it the music? Is it no, no, no? Worship is the overflow of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and is a response to what is known. Psalm forty-five, verse one: My heart overflows with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. It's the overflow of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and a response to so that is one known. Again, we also defined worship uh, last week as an expression. It's an expression. Of these things and so it's not limited to music we can have a lifestyle expression of worship you can have an expression of worship of service to towards God you can have a, a, an expression of worship uh, with your finances we worship God with our money we say okay God my money didn't belong to me it belongs to you so I, I am grateful and willing to give of my finances to you Lord you can worship God in so many different ways and but we found that one of the one of our favorite ways is with music and so we, w- with this kind of series that we're in right now, we really wanted to share our heart and passion as to why do we do what we do on a Sunday morning? Why do we come in here and why do we have guitars? And, and, and by the way, we see a band growing in this place. We see drums coming and electric guitar. And we see young people being raised up to worship God and lead in worship and worship. And, and that's our heart and passion. And, and we believe that God's going to do that, but it's not limited to that because it's not about that. There's a musical expression of worship. And last week, we talked a little bit about that, and I gave you three thoughts. I said, the musical expression of worship helps us to rekindle our love for Jesus and for others by taking our minds off of ourselves, by reminding us of who God is, and by making room for God's presence. Now, what does this look like practically in our musical expression? And that's what we want to talk about today. What does this look like practically? And we want to give you a biblical foundation for the reason that we do the things that we do. Our our musical expression of worship, we believe in the Davidic praise and worship outlined in the Psalms. And we believe that there's a pattern for New Testament worship found in the Scriptures, and it is described in the book of Psalms, and this pattern is demonstrated... Uh, is a demonstrative worship that is characterized by nine biblical expressions of worship. So here's what this is going to look like this morning, you guys. We're going to touch on the nine different biblical expressions of worship. We're going to break this down into three categories, and in each one of those categories, we're going to give you three expressions that are mentioned in the book of Psalms and spend a few moments unpacking those. And then at the end, we're going to draw it back around to this theme of God drawing us back into his presence. Okay, you guys with us? Tanya, you're up.
1: All right. So this is a little bit like a teaching in this little portion here, but it is so important to us that you, as the family of God, as you as the church, understand what it is that we're doing every Sunday morning because it is a huge part of what we do as the body of Christ when we gather on a Sunday morning and we worship with music. And for some of you, you might be like, what are they doing? And we hope to teach and put some light on what we are doing so you have a greater understanding because we want you to worship with knowledge, right, and worship and know what we're doing. All right, so the first, so we're, we're using the Psalms as, our, as a guide, and it's a well-known thing, um, the Davidic, the nine Davidic forms of expressions of worship. The first one is our voice, how we use our voice. Now, this is through the musical expression of worship, so first of all is you can speak and I was kind of saying that this morning worship when I was kind of ex- um, encouraging you. I said, you do not have to sing because some of you don't sing and some of you would not want to sing. Some of you hate singing. Some of you love it. Um, it doesn't matter. This is not about if you're a musician or not. You can speak your praises. You can speak your gratitude. You can speak your thanks. And in Psalm 34, 34 verse 1, it says, I will exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. All right? Our voice is a powerful thing. This does not, is is not limited to a gathering on a Sunday morning or a worship meeting that you go to that, oh, well now I can speak my praise. That's the really amazing thing about your voice, is that you can use it in the car as you're driving around, and as you're going around in your house, and you're doing something in your yard, you can be speaking your praise to the Lord, and you're focusing on him, and that becomes your worship to him. That is your worship to him. There is power in your words. You can do this And this is how we worship. The discipline of this is when we encourage you to sing out, okay? When we're singing you, sing out your own song, you can just sing it. You can speak it. You can do anything. And that's exactly what I was doing this morning in worship. I said, speak it. Tell him. Tell him. Remind yourself. A lot of times, I I do this all the time. I talk to myself in general. Uh, (laughs) if, If you see, actually, I've told the worship team, it's so funny. As we're, like, setting up here in the morning, early in the morning, I'm like, this goes here and this goes here. I'm like seriously having a conversation uh, to myself all the time, and I'm just telling, oh, and this court, okay, got it, oh, this is good, it's just who I am, but I also want to put this into practice, my speaking my praise, because it puts focus where, it puts my focus where I want it to be is on God, in the middle of the day, I can just say, oh, God, turn my heart, Lord, I'm so distracted, I'm so overwhelmed, whatever the situation is, I can speak it, And then I can put my focus on him. But God, you are worthy. Even though this day is like going downhill really fast. It may only be 8 in the morning. But God, I want to put my eyes on you. Lord, you are worthy of my praise. You are holy. God, you are so good. You've been so good. I'm here. I have breath in my lungs. I have health. Lord, you're good. And so that is the power of your voice, using your speaking voice to worship him. I encourage you. Let's be a people who worship him with our words. Um, Shouting. Psalm 27, verse 6. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. It is biblical to shout. We do a lot more of that at youth than we do here, but hey, you can shout here in your praise. Okay, you can shout. There is there is something about something about stirring it up in yourself. That same thing. If you're speaking. Shouting, you're telling yourself, Come on, my soul, that song. You've got a lion inside of you. I am going to worship. I am going to speak of his goodness. Psalm 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. There's victory in your shout, there's victory in your voice speaking out. Now, I am not saying, please don't hear what I'm not saying, I am not saying that, oh, you have to be just demonstrative always, being loud, singing, shouting, no, 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 you, you, this can happen in your heart too, but I'm saying there is power when we speak out, there is power in our voice, in our shout, you know, sometimes you just gotta, ah, right, when there is, when the enemy is coming after you, and I've done that as well too, usually it's in my car by myself, I'm like. God, you've got to come through. I know that you are the God who has supplied all my needs. I know you are the God that's going to pull me through. I know, I know. Your word says, and I will shout it, and I will speak it, because there is power. Singing. Psalm 47, verse 6. This is what we do weekly here. Psalm 47, verse 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Could it be more clear? Psalm 96, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. All right? Um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. I'm throwing a bunch of scriptures at you, but I want you just to hear the word of God to sing. So 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. And I just want to, so singing is the obvious of what we do here. I think most of you are comfortable and understand that when you come to a worship, some of you might go to worship nights at different churches, or if you come on a Sunday morning to a gathering, this is um, an expression that we're familiar with, an expression of worship, of singing, choruses. um, But then sometimes, all the time here, actually, because we like to do this a lot, there is a time in between our songs where there are not words. Now, The words, these songs that we have are these beautiful, I am so grateful for amazing songwriters that give us these amazing songs, They give us words to say to the Lord, like, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again because all that I have is a hallelujah. I am so grateful for the writer of that chorus. I'm so grateful because it, it gives me words that I can sing to my God. I love worship songs because it just puts words. It's like a really good Hallmark card. You know, if some of us aren't so great with words, um, you know, if you want to give a card, I love cards. Matt doesn't really care about cards. That's something we've had to come into a compromise with in our marriage because cards are very important to me. For a birthday, for an anniversary, something he learned very quickly. First anniversary married. No, first Valentine's married. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, what? I'm like, (laughs) it's Valentine's. (laughs) But words, words are important to me. And, um, words when i'm so grateful for the courses that we have that give us words and then sometimes we end a song and then we just let the instruments play and then sometimes the worship leader and um, vocalists on the worship team will just sing out and sometimes i know that that can be uncomfortable if you're not used to that setting and i just want to explain to you what we're doing what we're doing is that we're creating space for god to speak for us to speak to God, that you can use your own words. We've just finished singing a song that has given us beautiful words that help us tell him how good he is, how much we love him. Lord, you are good, good, oh, oh. The battle belongs to you, oh God. You know, all these songs that we just sang, I'm using this morning as an example. I love those words. But then there's times that I think the Lord, I believe the Lord wants to hear my heart. So that's that space. And we let the spirit just move. And I I want to be able to just say to the Lord, here I am, God. You're so good. Thank you. Thank you, God. I love you. And that's what that time is. What are they doing? I don't see words. The screen is blank. Oh, I'm so awkward now. I just want to encourage you. Close your eyes and receive. If you don't want to speak or sing right in those moments, you don't have to. But then let the spirit move and speak to you. Because in those times that we create, that's a big thing that we're doing in worship service in this worship setting so we're creating and leaving a space for God to move you can tell him how you feel and then he is going to speak to us we believe that he will speak to us he will speak he will move so that's a very sacred special space so that's what we're doing in that time awesome
0: the next way that we can worship the next category is our posture changing your posture can make a difference to how you worship God and the first one is bowing down. Psalm 95, verse 6 says, Come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. And the words that come to mind when we talk about bowing are words like sacred, holy, reverent, humility, surrender. Bowing before the Lord is a posture that declares his place of honor in our lives. It's telling uh, that, that, that we are uh, uh, lower than Him and recognizing that He is higher than us and that He is good and that He is God. And we know this about bowing. We know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the glory of God. And, and in Philippians we see this, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and un, of those on earth and those under the earth. And when we know that that's going to happen someday. And so when we physically change our posture to kneel or to bow before the lord it's a giving a message to him and to ourselves that my god is king my god is lord and it's not me we constantly need to take ourselves off of the throne of our own lives and put jesus back in that position all right so that's bowing the next one is standing (laughs) standing psalm 119 verse 120 says my flesh trembles in fear of you I stand in awe of your laws. Again, when we talk about posture, a lot of times what this shows is honor. We stand to show honor. We've all experienced this in our culture. You ever been to a wedding where people did not stand up for the bride when she came down the aisle? Here comes the bride. Email. That's not what happens. We recognize the, 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 the richness of that moment, that this is a moment to be marked, and so we stand in honor. How about when you go to a hockey game, and before they drop the puck, they always say to everybody, now everybody stand up, right, remove your hats, <laughs> and let's sing the national anthem together. And we do it as a sign of honor. We change our posture to mark the moment, right? And so it's the same thing with, with worship. We stand to mark the moment. We stand to, to show honor to the Lord. And then the third way is, anybody want to take a guess? Posture. Dancing. Now I just don't want to brag, but I am an awesome dancer. I'm being so sarcastic right now. I'm being so sarcastic right now. Psalm 149 verse 3 says, Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. And Man, I grew up in the church, so I've been through different iterations of this. Like how many remember, we used to call it the GT2 step. Does anybody, any of you old times remember this? Remember this? We bring the sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord. And I remember the whole church just swinging their legs back and forth in this powerful time of worship. And then, and then dancing kind of evolved into this, this hop thing. And so in youth, we used to do this, you know, It's you I live for every day. And it's just straight up and down. And I, I, I think I'm kind of still there. I think when I dance, that's kind of, that's about it. That, that's about it. But dancing is biblical, you guys. Dancing is an expression of our bodies. Again, it's a way that we can prophetically tell our bodies, Hey, listen, no, no, you will come under the authority of God. And I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to glorify him with all my might, with all my strength, with all my soul, with everything that I have within me. I will praise his name. It's a posture given to the Lord.
1: So good. So good. We're getting the youth into dancing, aren't we, in worship? Yeah. Starting there. Then they're going to, like, overflow into you guys, and then you guys are going to have to, it's going to be contagious. <laughs> um, our hands, that's the next thing uh, that we can has uh, we can use as an expression of our worship. Number one, we can play instruments. This is for obviously a select few who know how to play the instrument, but Psalm 33, verse 2 and 3 says, Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him with the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. There's another one there. Shout and, and, and play and sing. And uh, so our instruments, this is in a way that we can express our worship and our love and adoration. And um, those of us that are up on the worship team that play an instrument, it is. We I always pray that in the morning. I'm like, thank you, Lord God, that we can use these gifts to honor you and to lift you up and to help lead people into worship. It is an honor. I love that we can take a gift that God has given to us, like playing piano, playing acoustic guitar, playing bass, whatever it may be, and we get to use that gift as an offering to help facilitate the Presence Of God in this place, so that when you come in and those of you online that are joining us, you can come in and the presence of God is here because we've been able to use our instruments. Now, His presence is here regardless if we play instruments, as we found out this morning. Um, <laughs> I was like, What? <laughs> but um, it doesn't matter. But the instruments help create. And so, wait, God is so creative. Our God is so creative, and He came up with instruments. He—this is all His idea. Music is His idea, and I'm so grateful that we can play instruments as an expression of worship. Share on
0: that real briefly here. Sorry. Oftentimes, when I'm playing an instrument, I find that that instrument can help become my voice. So if I'm trying to express worship to God and I just don't have the words to be able to express it to Him, I can do it on my instrument. Like when I get to play, you know, the drums, for instance. Just you know, there's this like prophetic thing that happens when you're playing the drums and you set the tone, and it's like this warfare breakthrough anointing on those things, or when I'm playing the, the, the guitar, I can create a sound that just rises up that I don't know what to sing, but I just want to express the greatness of God, and I can do that on an instrument, and there's a way we talk about this um, as like prophesying on our instruments, and you'll see us do that sometimes, where there'll be a break, and we won't be singing, and it'll just be the instruments just playing out with all of our might to the Lord, creating that sound and that glorious worship to God.
1: Also. Um, instruments can change the atmosphere. We see that in the Old Testament when King Saul would ask for David to come with his harp when he was agitated in his spirit, and he would ask King's Sa- art ask David to come and play the harp. And in that atmosphere of this, and David had a heart of a worshipper, and that when you have that heart, that music, that playing of that instrument can change an atmosphere, can shift atmospheres. That's why tip for all you moms out there when <laughs> we're having our lovely early morning rush at school, and if it gets escalated, our school mornings, that's why this mom turns on the worship music really loud, louder than everything else, because I want to shift the atmosphere in my home from chaos and, like, have you forgot your school books, ah, all the things, um, to, to like, okay, and it just, it settles things, it settles things, because music can change the atmosphere, and way more worship music, because the power of God is on it. Number two, got to rush through these, um, uh, clapping with your hands, you clap. Psalm 47, verse one: Clap your hands, all you nations! Shout to God with cries of joy! You can see a lot of these scriptures are repeating things that we've already said. With the shouting, clap your hands! All right. And um, in our in our culture, um, a lot of times when we're clapping, it would be to give an applause, right? To and it's kind of a way of giving praise, right? Like praising when we clap. And we do the same thing um, a lot of times. we'll say let's do an offering of. You know, I give him a clap offering. It's, it's an offering that we can use. And we also use it to set rhythm. You know, you can clap. I can't clap right now when I'm on the piano and it bugs me so much. I miss it. Um, but, you know, it just keeps rhythm. It's a way that I can express um, my worship to the Lord with my hands. Clapping. It is godly. It is biblical. Number three, lifting of hands. Psalm 63, verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will lift up my hands. In your name, I will lift up my hands. It's a sign of surrender. Yeah. It's, when I'm doing this, first of all, I am just kind of giving it all back to God. There's many representations of this, but you can give it all to God. This yeah. is all honor. Glory be to your name. Also, it's a sign of, Lord, you are the only one that's worthy. I cannot do this on my own. This, all of me is yours. And that surrendering of lifting of your hands, it's a posture of surrender. Now we're going to just go um, quickly into the post. These are physical postures, physical using our voice, using our hands, using our bodies. And now we want to go to the posture of our heart, which is the most important. That's right.
0: It comes back to the heart. And to do that, we're going to briefly read a scripture to you out of the book of John, tell you a brief story, and then we're going to talk about just two things as we close today. You guys with me? Okay, here we go. John chapter 4, verse 20. Uh, this is what it says: Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, "Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, but we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Spirit, the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him." God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, let me give you a little bit of context here. So what's going on? Jesus has come into Samaria, and they come to a well, and he sends his disciples off to go into the town to get some food, and he decides to stay behind. While he's there, a woman of ill repute comes to the well to draw water in the middle of the day, which would not have been a common thing to do in those times. She, you normally you would have come you know, early in the morning or later at night because it would be the cool of the day. She came right in the heat of the day, so Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. He says, hey woman, would you get me some water? And she says, yeah, I'll, I'll get you some water. And, and, and they have this conversation. And out of it, uh, she, he says, why don't you get your husband and I'll tell you about this living water that will never run dry that will come right out of you and she says well I don't have a husband. He says you spoke. Well, you've had five husbands Her response to him is so understated and wonderful. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible She says sir, I perceive that you are a prophet And he says yeah, and then she changes the subject because he's getting personal, right? So she changes the subject goes hey, I got a question for you prophet you know, my fathers say that we need to go worship here in Samaria, and that's where we need to worship. That's the methodology that we need to have if we're going to worship God. But you Jews say that we can only go back to Jerusalem to worship. So, so which one is it? And this is Jesus' response. His response to her is, our fathers worship, she says, and you Jews say in Jerusalem is where the place you ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor Jerusalem worship the Father. Uh, you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know for salvation is the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship, this, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So here it is. She's asking, what, what method should I use to worship you? I mean, there's all these great ways that I could worship. There's all these, People are saying I should do this and I should do that. And Jesus is saying what I'm actually after is not just your methodology. I'm after your heart. I'm after your heart. And this morning, with all these great ways that we've just mentioned to worship God, these are ways that we can express. But we said this earlier. Worship is the overflow of the heart. So how do we worship him? First of all, We worship in spirit.
1: We need the Holy Spirit to take us to a new level, a deeper level. We want to have the spirit in us. I want to go deeper. There's a quote from Raymond Brown that says, The spirit raises men above the earthly level, the level of the flesh, and enables them to worship properly. We need the Holy Spirit because it can take us out of ourselves. Just as we need the Holy Spirit to help us pray, we also need the divine enabling of the Holy Spirit to help us worship in spirit and in truth. It talks in Romans that the Spirit also helps, Romans 8, 26, sorry, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He does that in our prayer life, he wants to do that in our worship life. He can take you deeper and further. This is one of my favorite quotes by Graham Kendrick. It says, to worship in spirit is to tap into the very source of worship himself, the inexhaustible, endlessly praising spirit of God, and allow him liberty to join with our spirit in expressing through our mind and our body the worth of of our Savior Jesus and the love of our Heavenly Father. He enables us, using our body and our mind, to worship through Him. We want to be a people that worship in spirit. Not just, oh yes, yeah Lord, like in this head knowledge, we want it to go down to our heart. God, I need you. Lord, I seek you. There's a deeper level of worship. There's a deeper well that we want to dig we want to go deeper into the things of God. He has great things. He loves to speak to us. He loves to um, make known revelations to us. But we need to get into that posture of just of worship and bowing before him and letting him speak to us.
0: And last but not least, as we close today, he's looking for a people that will worship in truth. Now, I'm looking for a Sunday school answer here, so don't think too deeply. But who is the truth? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in a world that is starving for truth, that's searching under every nook and cranny on every website and Google page, trying to find the truth, we follow the one who is truth. And his name is Jesus. And I want to remind you of something I said earlier. I said that worship is the overflow. It's a response to that which is known. We don't worship a feeling. We don't worship an emotion. We don't worship it whether we feel like it or whether we don't. We don't worship because we've got a guitar and a piano up top. We worship because we know that we have the truth, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Philippians 3.10 says, That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. What is this about? This is about knowing him. Can I just tell you right now, church, if you know him, you will worship him. It's just a byproduct. It's a reality. It, it was interesting that, Jesus, that she said, uh, Jesus said to this lady, she said, listen, you worship what you don't know. Church, we have the words of life. We have the truth. And therefore, we know. And when you know, you will worship. You will respond. Bob Sorge says it this way, our worship is no higher than our knowledge of God. And just like in any relationship, worship is not always an emotional burst, but is often a joyful discipline. Worship is an intellectual response as well as emotional. We need to have an intimate relationship with Him. Church, let's be a people who know Him. All of these expressions are empty without that foundation. Of being filled with spirit, the presence of God working in us, enabling us to worship, and second of all, truth. Do you know him? Do you know him?
1: And as we just kind of like unpacked these different expressions of worship, because we wanted to teach, we wanted our church to know what it is that we're actually doing on Sunday mornings, um, but I also want to uh, clarify, or say, like, if you don't feel comfortable being a dancer or a loud shouter in worship, that does not mean that you are not worshiping with your whole heart, with all your mind. That's, and I, there is no judgment. That we, we are unpacking and teaching and explaining the different expressions of worship to you so that when we are doing them here on a Sunday morning, you understand But that does not mean that, oh my goodness, if I don't have all nine of those, I am not worshiping him, uh, you know, fully. No. Because some of the most powerful times in worship for me, I've many times experienced the Lord when I have like sat in a corner when someone else is leading and I am just like quiet before the Lord. And my heart is overflowing with thankfulness. My heart is overflowing with so much love. But I'm not speaking a word. I'm not up here singing. I'm not, and you know what, actually, not even in, some of my sweetest times in worship has been in my living room. With someone else, I'll just turn on and worship some of my favorite, and I'll have it going in the house. And those moments, and I'm not singing a word out loud, and I'm not, but I might just bow on the floor. I might just, like, just be there before him. So this is not limited. This is not, I don't want you to take away that, oh, this is the way, you have to be to worship. No. We're explaining nine ways that the Bible speaks, nine expressions that we believe in and we embrace here at our church. We embrace dancing. We embrace clapping. We embrace the lifting of your hands. We embrace bowing. We embrace singing. We embrace speaking. All of the expressions talked about in the Psalms, in in these Davidic expressions of worship, but it is not limited to those. God can move and you can have intimate times of worship to your God in silence. When you're just in the Word, right? You could just be whispering it. You might be a person that in a corporate gathering like this might just be really quiet and you just might be whispering something in a prayer. God might be speaking something to you and you can't sing loud. You can't jump up because there's something going on in your heart and you don't want to miss it. Be in that posture. Just because maybe we're loud and singing out, but God is doing something in you, stay in that place, lean into that place, because that's God meeting you, and that is what this is all about. When we come on a Sunday morning as the family of God, as we're gathering, you that are online joining us, there might be a moment. That's what we're believing for, actually. I pray that every single time we gather, there is a moment. We're praying for an encounter with the Holy Spirit, for the worship team, for the people here, for the people online, that there is a moment that we are encountering the Lord. And if that means that you are silent, that you are sitting, that you are bowing, that you are going to a corner, or that you're just in your room online, that is your moment and God is meeting you and that is worship and that is holy and that is sacred. So don't discount that. It is not limited to these. We just wanted to explain them and say that we believe in these. And this is what we do because sometimes I know that you might come in here on a Sunday morning and not quite understand maybe our expressions of worship if you're not familiar with them. That's what we wanted to do. But I also don't want to discount the quiet and the holy and the silent and God just speaking and moving in our hearts.